Alright, Pete, you ready? Yeah. You ready, brother? Let's go. Okay. Alright, so this is for Clementine and Otis. So a big shout out to our sponsors this week. Uh, if you're in Australia, go and get some Indo Souls for summer. Uh, they've got thongs, as we call them in Australia, slides. In America, they call them flip-flops, sandals, and they're all made from recycled motor vehicle tyres. So go to indosoul.com, that's I-N-D-O-S-O-L-E.com, and you'll be automatically redirected to the distributor in your region. So, for example, if you're in Australia, you'll just go to indosoul.com.au, and they'll be hooking you up uh, with fast delivery. When you're at checkout, use promo code THT and you'll get a discount. But more importantly, you'll be advocating for conscious consumerism. Ew. Next one up, Crush Organics. Love these guys. They make CBD products. If you go to crushorganics.com, that's K-R-U-S-H-O-R-G-A-N-I-C-S.com, use code THT at checkout and get that epic 40% discount. CBD is like such a great natural supplement. It's done so much for me. Um, and to be clear, it has no psychoactive ingredients. I get that asked that a lot. Like it's got no THC in it, but it has all the other good properties, properties of cannabis. And I I find it to be excellent for like pain relief and in reducing inflammation as well, all done naturally. So go and check it out and uh, improve your health. And it is officially legal in Australia now as of February uh, last year. So go and check it out. Next up, Kingpin Skate Supply. Man, I love these guys. They're my friends. But also, they've just got the best brands of skate shoes, skate decks, clothing. So if you go to kingpinstore.com, that's K-I-N-G-P-I-N-S-T-O-R-E, Dot com. Use code THT at checkout and get that 15% discount, fast shipping worldwide, and support local small business. Now, speaking about small local business, okay, um, a shout out to the Cronulla Beer Co. So, Peter, our friend, past guest, um, he's friends with these guys, uh, Adam and Chad, and they've got the Cronulla Beer Co. And um, I know I'm a non I'm a non drinker, but I'm I'm definitely an advocate for for small business, especially when it's local. But I'm not an anti drinker either, so always drink responsibly, obviously. But um, I just love supporting grassroots um, small businesses, you know, who are producing the goods. And from what I hear, it tastes pretty good. Does it taste all right? It tastes delicious. It tastes delicious, Pete. <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's do this. Terrible happy talks. Terrible happy talks. Today's guest is Lance Morgan. Lance is a husband, father, aviation firefighter and ocean photographer. Lance recently scored the cover shot of Surfing World magazine for his capture of Big Wave Charger and past guest Lockie Rombouts. And today Lance is with me live and in person at his home in Cronulla, Australia to share his journey, experiences, challenges and hopes for the future. Mr. Lance Morgan... Welcome! Howdy, how's it going? And a big shout out to past guest and co-host this week and photographer, Mr. Peter Barmer. How's it going? Dude, remember, remember when I had you on the show and I kept calling you Peter Barmer? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is like my chance at redemption. <clears throat> you didn't fact check. you listen though. You know, I was thinking about why I kept, kept calling you Peter Barmer. Because remember when I was in London, they had this cider called Bormers. Bormers. Yep. I don't know why. Isn't it Bulmers? Yeah, Bulmers. 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 Yeah. B-U-L. And my mind just did this 
associate word association. Anyway, it's good to have you. Thanks, mate. Thanks for having me back. So, Lance, dude, I just want to talk quickly about your, your cover shot in Surfing World. Um, I mean, that's not primarily why I wanted to have you on the podcast, but man, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's it's pretty surreal kind of feeling. It's um, sort of a goal that I'd had. I think for the last two years or so, especially like moving down to Sydney, I knew that the heavier waves were in the area and that's kind of what I prefer to chase. So, yeah, I'm stoked to get it with Lockie too because he is just an animal out there and he's so underrated and I'm glad that he's, uh, he's on the cover and he deserves it. Is it your first cover shot? It's my second, but the first one kind of, it was years ago and it was with like a, a smaller sort of not really known magazine. So mm. this one really, um, this one counts a lot more. Surfing World's the best. It is. Yeah. The OG. Yeah. It's OG, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, 100%. <clears throat> as, as a photographer or photographers in this digital world, how important is it to get print media shots? I think right now it, it's very important because there's only a couple of them left, so... It's very hard to get in there. There's a lot of competition and, I mean, you're not really getting much for it, but you're getting recognition off your peers and I think it just shows all the hard work that you're putting in too. Like street cred. Yeah, street cred pretty much. You kind of are. Ocean cred. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I reckon it's, it's more cred with Surfing World because the photos that are in Surfing World are like more creative, the surface is a bit more core. The very high calibre. Yeah, the stories are better. Less about stickers, more about the person, yeah. I feel. so Definitely. There's yeah. not many sponsored surfers in yeah. there. You know what I mean? Mm. It's more, yeah, just the core guys that yeah. are think, doing think, it for the love. Do you think it's Sean Doherty who's driving in that direction? I think both he's, of them. And, and John as well. Like, yeah. And I know that they're both pumping their own money into it. It's not like they've got, you know, Billabong paying for someone to be on the front cover or... John's, is, John Frank's a photographer and he's from Cronulla too. I don't think he was born here, but... so. Having him pick your photos to be in that magazine is a huge honour. Because if you look back at his work, it's, yeah, it's incredible what he was doing amazing. with film. Yeah. yeah. So, and Sean's a, obviously, a, you know, Sean Doherty. It's a legend. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he's cool. And I love is what it? Sean stands for too and he's very, um, yeah. he's very vocal about all of that. So, What, what, do, you, what do you mean you love what Just the whole for? environmental side of things and, and where we're going with the world and our country in particular. And is that important to you? Oh, yeah, massively. Why? Because I'm in the ocean every day. I'm out out in nature. You know, I've just started doing a bit of rock climbing and stuff. Oh. So, like, you, I'm just seeing every angle from outside. So, so and if if we ruin that, oh, it would be absolutely devastating for me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, imagine going swimming out there and it was oil all through the water. It'd be horrible. Feels like it's even more important when you bring a child into the world too. Hey? Yeah, definitely. Yep. And yeah, like you're thinking, what's it going to be like in 30 years when I look back? 30 years now for me and I'm like well it's changed a lot hmm. so yeah I'm really stoked on what Sean's doing and um yeah that work that he's advocating so I love surfers so I love photographers here's a here's a bit of a, a curveball question do you feel like when you are in the ocean shooting photos you are more connected to the ocean than when you are surfing um and there's a reason why I'm asking that question uh, I don't know. I don't think so. I mean, it, it's a different thing, but it's different, but the same. I don't know. I see. I get the same buzz off like just being out there and shooting and being in the ocean as I do when I'm surfing. I mean, tr- nothing can beat a barrel, really. But, <laughs> but I was going to say, like, this is. I think I said this to Pete when when I had him on. Like, 
And this is a legit question I wrote down, right? <laughs> what gives you more satisfaction, getting barreled or getting an epic shot of someone else getting barreled? Yeah. And I think Pete said, oh, it's the same. And like, you get, I, you I get, find it really hard to believe. Lance gets more well, barreled than the surfer most, most <laughs> of the time, hey? <laughs> well, you, you kind of get double the stoke too. I think that's what he said because you're getting the shot, you're in the zone, you're feeling the energy and then they're coming back and high five and you're going – do you get it? Or, or they're paddling past and you're going, man, I just got the most epic shot. And then they're stoked on stoked sort of thing. So, yeah, I guess it's, I don't know. It's, I reckon it's even. <laughs> it's, it's hard. <laughs> so hard to comprehend. Like. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I can even really compare it, to be honest. It's just, yeah, different levels of stoke. Where'd you grow up? I kind of have a pretty long backstory about that. So I was born in Ireland. In Dublin, um, that's where my mum's side of the family is, and they all still reside there. And then from there, um, I think we moved to the UK, and then Malta, and Libya, and uh, <laughs> and, and the Solomon Islands, and New, and Solomon Islands, and New Zealand, and then Sydney, Brisbane, Gold Coast, wow. Sydney. Okay, so why so much? <laughs> Who, me? Yeah. Lance. Lance, I'm fidgety. I'm sitting here coming. It's my back's a bit sore. Oh, do you want to chuck that behind you? No, I'm good, bro. Okay, why so much moving around? So my At dad my dad um, was an accountant and I'm not entirely sure how he's wrapped up with it all, but he worked for oil companies and okay. just kind of larger companies. So he worked Malta and Libya. We were working for oil companies there. And so I don't know... I, I feel like maybe he was like a Mr. Fix-It, go in and sort the books out and then move on to the next contract. And then when we went from there to the Solomon Islands, um, he was working for Toyota there. And then, long story short, but the Solomon Islands kind of fell apart. Epic. Um, yeah, ci- civil, I mean, civil war and all that kind of stuff. So, But that was probably my favourite place to live. Because like, it's in the Pacific? Um, just because my age at the time, like I was... I think I was six or around then when we got there and 10 when I left and we lived absolute beachfront out the front of our house was a big barrier reef next door was a village I would come home from school be in a canoe just paddling around we'd go and there was like my parents were mad scuba divers so they were they were diving on wrecks literally out the front of our house and just coming home with like just all stuff from these wrecks and like and then, like, you could go walking in the jungle just behind our house and there was army tanks there and, like... Wow. So when you're, like, six to ten years old, you imagine your mind is just going out of this world. I'm out there fishing with a net or a bucket or just my hands, if I could, on the reef. And, yeah, it was just the most incredible time. Amazing, dude. And, and I look at... Like, I've always had this opinion like when I have kids like I want to give them at least a portion of what I had there because it was complete freedom to to be me and and just explore the outside world and maybe that's why I also have that like affinity with the environment and stuff like that is that where your love for the environment started yeah 100% and and animals too because like living in a jungle and or a rainforest on the beach with like a thriving coral reef out the front so like yeah you've I, I would just be down there every day, even before school, with a bucket, just catching octopus or crabs and bringing it back, showing mum. And mum, 
this probably isn't the best thing for conservation, but mum called it Auschwitz, I think, because the, the, the animals would go to my bucket and, and then they'd get left in the sun. <laughs> I'd forget and go to try to catch something else. You just uh, conjured a memory of my, young, my younger brother. He used to, like, just commit, uh, for lack of a better word, snail genocide. Yeah. So it's a terrible, the terrible It's the worst word. No, he'd just go and collect snails in the, out of the garden, put them in a jar... Right, put the lid on it and then just like put him in the sun. I was like, oh, it's oh, brutal, yeah. brutal. See, yeah, I wasn't, it was, <laughs> it not, was never intentional. It's just like your mind as a six or seven year old is like that, like five minute, like you, attention span. Yeah, five minute <laughs> attention span. And so you put it, hey, mum, come look at this. She comes, has a look, I put it down. Then I'm like, I'm going on the trampoline. And then you've just forgotten that it's there. And mum's usually there like, oh, damn it, taking the bucket back down. Throwing all the throwing all the stuff back in the ocean before they die, or or yeah. Did your parents did care die. about the environment like you like you do now? Uh, no, I wouldn't say so. But not, I wouldn't say they weren't anti-environment. I think just back then, like this is like early nineties, the environment was still kind of taking a back seat. Like people weren't really talking about it nowhere near as much. Yeah. Or like mainstream media definitely hadn't woken up to anything like that or... No, it wasn't really on the table for discussion. No. And especially in the Solomon Islands, there was no TV or no radio. So like... What the hell? Yeah, no TV or no radio. No Netflix? No nothing, man. No (laughs) nothing. Like I didn't even wear uh, (laughs) shoes to school for the the four years that I was there. Like I came... When we came to Australia, I had apparently a big tantrum with my mum because she's like, you got to wear wear shoes to school and I was like why why do we have to wear these she's like you just have to that's what everyone does and I was like but I've never worn them before yeah why now we're so <laughs> we're so programmed yeah you know we are yeah that's a good question though why why do we wear shoes if we don't want to yeah it's why? actually isn't it good for your feet to, for them to be spread out and walking on well man I used to run barefoot on coral like I, I was like, like, I'm not even joking. If I saw something like a dolphin or something off the back of the reef, I would run straight across the coral mm. with yeah, right. no shoes on because I just had, I just never wore shoes. So I just had rough feet, islander feet. Yeah, like right. they were just thick. Yeah. And they do toughen up quite quick. hundred percent. Yeah. Like when I was living in Bali, because I used to like to walk up the reef and get away from the crowds a bit yep. to go to that end of the reef. I won't say the actual names of the spots, but <laughs> everyone knows there's no secret. But I was literally like, when I wasn't at work, I'd be like, no shoes on because I know that I want to walk up the reef with all this yeah. and it's going to be way better. Yeah, exactly. And it was. Yeah, and you're grounded too, like your feet in the sand. It's so much better. Would you say that you are still inquisitive by nature? Because you sound like an, you were an inquisitive kid. hundred percent. Why? A good example is uh, <laughs> took, took my wife, girlfriend then, to uh, the Mentowies and we just she, – she's, she's That's you know, been there for like a week or something. She's getting pretty bored. I'm frothing surf every yeah. day. And I'm like, oh, let's just go for a walk. And then I'm walking along and I just start like throwing rocks over. She's like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, this is just a game I used to play – on my own when I was younger, flipping rocks and you just see what animals you can find. Next rock we flip, massive octopus under it and she just absolutely lost her mind. She's flipping every single rock for the rest of the trip. She loved it. So you still have that knowledge, you know, like from yeah, when you were a kid. I guess so. Isn't it amazing how those experiences as a kid, as a kid become so ingrained? Mm. Such, such, formative, for sure. such formative years. You're a sponge, aren't you? Definitely. Yeah. And that was, yeah. 
And yep. yeah, it was, there was, I'm trying to signal for a beer over Pete's here. Pete's doing the, the beer wave. <laughs> um, yeah, there was just, there was so much stuff that I learned there that children just don't learn here. Yeah. And, and they're just so, you know, like I was saying, no TV, no radio. Like imagine, oh, dude, I don't even know how my mum got through that. <laughs> like, totally, man. <laughs> I mean, and also, yeah, like you said, like just, you know, let's face it, technology, TVs, computers, laptops. I mean, it clutters our brain, you know. So you just had free range to, like you said, connect with your environment. Which, Definitely. You know, it's it's not that common these days. Yeah. Like, even in those remote areas now, a lot of those young children have been they're they're getting exposed to tele, like to mobile phones quite early, and along with that comes more visuals and and they can watch more things. So, but one of the questions I had was like, all that traveling around as a young person, like, what about your education? So, were you moving from school to school? Yeah, school to school, which which was hard. You know, you're always, sorry, making new friends and or trying to make new friends and, yeah, that can be very difficult. But as a child, I guess you're kind of, you're very open and you you just go and, teacher goes, you're going to go hang out with these people. Okay, I am now. And so you go and do it. Yeah. But I guess, I don't know, yeah, it kind of, it's hard when you're doing it all the time and you're, I guess you're constantly trying to, be someone that people might want to be friends with, I guess. Mm. No? Interesting. Yeah. Do you feel like you want to fit in with the right crowd even as an adult? Um, <laughs> not so much now, I don't think. Now I've got a bit of social anxiety, so I try to stay away from this. Really? <laughs> yeah. What, 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 I explain. Don't, what what, what uh, do you mean social anxiety? I don't know. Just like, I don't know, I just get a bit weird in groups or just around people that I've just met. Like it takes a lot for me to... Really go like even saying yes to this, I was like, got to do it. Get out of the comfort zone. Sweet. Like, say hello to someone you haven't met before. Yeah. <laughs> go and talk about your life to them. Do Let think, other people listen to it. I think I hear the term <coughs> social anxiety more and more these days. Yeah, definitely. I just this isn't a question, but I just wonder if that's a, a product of our modern way of living. I yeah, I think it's probably a product of the internet for me and and social media because you're spending less time talking to people. Like you're, you're meeting people online or not meeting. That sounds like I'm like going out to like date people or something. But like, you, you, you know, you're chatting to random people online, yeah, yeah. but you're not actually talking to them. And the conversation that you can have can be like, hey, man, did you get waves today? And you might not get a reply for a day. It's not like you're having a flowing conversation for an hour or two hours with someone. Mm. So On that topic, I hate that you can already know everything about somebody before you've even met them. Totally. And like, so when you meet them in real life, you're like, ah, oh, it's not that exciting because I've seen everything you've already done. Yeah. I, miss, I miss learning about somebody. And even yeah. also like you know what someone's done for the whole last month or something like that. So when you do see them, you don't, really, you don't really talk, up, talk about what, like, what you've been doing because you're like, oh, well, I've already commented on that on Instagram. So... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I gave you a smiley face, you know. <laughs> you know I know. <laughs> yeah, totally. So interesting. As a photographer who relies very heavily on creating, you know, uh, aesthetically pleasing visual images, social media must be a very um, big part of what you do, obviously. So does, <clears throat> do you seek, like gratification via social media so if you produce a nice image 
Are you? How much are you looking at likes and hundred percent comments? And that's why. Is like, it, does it do your head in? Yeah. Oh, I wouldn't say it does my head in, but I've definitely been trying to have time away from it or limit my time, and that ebbs and flows. Like right now, I just even noticed the other day. I'm like, man, I'm getting heavy on this again. I need to like chill out and like tone it back because I did. Um, my wife introduced me to a book, and. It's more sort of geared towards women and girls and it's called, um, oh, what is it? Melissa Ambrosi Comparisonitis. Okay. Yeah, and it's um, and it basically goes through the whole social media thing and like how we're just comparing ourselves all the time to people and it's so, so bad. And she like basically says, you know, you should be – if your business is run on social media, that doesn't mean you have to be on it all day. Like you should be trying to limit yourself to say like half an hour a day or an hour to an hour a day, and I did that for two weeks and I felt so good. Like I was like, yeah, I just um, I get a lot of FOMO and stuff too. Like Pete would know this, you know. Like if you <laughs> if you if you get skunked somewhere and then you jump on Instagram and everybody's like blowing up about like up the coast was absolutely cooking like, and you're seeing all these photos just getting dropped one after another like. It's devastating and you're just like, ah, and you're just thinking, how did I do this? Why did I do this? Like, why am I here? This was so stupid. So, and then when I did that two weeks, like, I just didn't see any of that and I didn't care if people like, and then I spoke to people a week later. I was like, oh, did you get ways? Oh, yeah, you did. Oh, cool. Yeah. And and it didn't affect me because it was like, it it had already happened. It was a week later or, so it wasn't like, yeah. And sometimes. That's a good point. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, social media is a is a double-edged sword. One side is longer and sharper than the other side. <laughs> yeah. From an outsider looking in though, Lance, I, I, I think you're pretty good. Like you're not, you're not, you know what I mean? You're not a big poster. You're not putting stories up. Yeah, that's, when you do post, it's quality. Yeah, well, it's that's, good to look at. That's because I think last year I was like hammering it, like making sure like I'm posting every single day, like I'm putting up stories every day. And then when I read that book, I was like, hold on, I just need to like chill out here. Yeah. Like I was getting too wrapped up in it and, a lot of your photos are, like, too good for the gram. Like, it's like... like <laughs> oh, thanks, man. Cause, cause I, I think I the same like, with you. The, <laughs> amount of, the amount of time that you put into to getting that shot and all the money that you spent on the gear, for somebody to have a two-second look then scroll up, it's just it's not worth it. Like, Yeah, it's hard. It's well, hard. Well, that was actually one of my questions. Like, has social media devalued... Photography. 100%. So are Saturated. you are, well yeah, are you sifting and you might do this too, Pete, like you know, when you let's say you have a good session, are you sifting through, okay, like that's I'm gonna send that to a magazine, I'm gonna that's that's for Instagram, that's Instagram story. Are you doing that? That's exactly what I'm doing. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so, next question. Well it's 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 just grading it really too. It's like yeah. so I'm I'm I try not to put any Shots which I deem my best shots on Instagram, especially straight away because I would rather try to get like the one or two maybe in a magazine because then it goes to print and it's like... That's the ultimate, hey. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's forever then. Like it's, you know, people people rarely scroll, you know, past probably three finger flicks down on your your feed, so... It's obviously a passion. There's no question there. But how much are you trying to turn that passion into a livelihood? Um, I wouldn't like it to be my, I mean, I would like it to be my main li- livelihood, but I'm very content with my job as a firefighter. Like, right. I, yeah, and That's it's, right, it's dude. so good. And like, I literally, I was thinking about it driving today. I was like, 
I just absolutely love this job. That's like, epic. This, Dude. Yeah. What? Okay, why? Break it down for us. What do you love about it? Well, maybe to begin with, I was a carpenter before this for like 10 plus years. 10 years. And then before that, I was pretty much on construction sites from 17 years old, 16 years old. So a long time in construction. Yeah. And I... I work bloody hard. So like, and that's not me like talking myself up. Like I've, eat, I've even at work now, like I, I just think like you're at work, you're there to work, like just get it done. Like there's no point like stuffing around because the day doesn't go any quicker and the job still has to be done the end of the day. And so I was doing carpentry on the Gold Coast and there was a time that we were doing a nightclub renovation and I was doing 16 hour days and just like absolutely working myself to death. And that's when I started applying to be a firefighter. I just said to my wife, I was like, I've, I've got to do something else. Like, this is actually killing me. And she said to me, after, well, after I got the job, it was, it was a couple of years later I got it, but after I got the job, she was like, you were so unhappy then. Like, you were tired all the time. You were cranky all the time. And, yeah, I just I kind of got the shits with that. And, so, and then I got into this job after four years of trying. I hear it's hard. Huh? I hear it's hard to get into. Yeah. <laughs> Very, very hard. Like it's, I think there's like two and a half thousand people applied for Sydney when I got in and there was three or four of us got the job. So yeah, so it's- How'd it's, you get in? Yeah, what's the- What was the secret? What, yeah. Just work my ass off. Just, yes. So like they've got- When you say work your ass off, what? Like just continually application after application? So or? the application process is basically send in your resume, do aptitude tests. Yep. Aptitude tests cull- the top 90, like the bottom 95% are gone. Okay. Yep. And then you go and do a physical test and then you do like group interviews and then you go, you, you get selected or you don't get selected. So the, it, by the time it gets to the group interviews, it's been about nine months okay. and it, they bring it down to about 20 people and then it's almost like man on man at that point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I was just going and finding like any aptitude test that I could find, anything mentally to try to get my brain in this zone of like how to figure out like these weird, they give you like pictures of like, like, like weird pictures and they're like, there'll be four, four examples and one of them is the wrong one, but like there's like 10 different things inside of the turn and twist and move and, and you've got to find them in about 30 seconds. Problem solve. Problem solve. And so... Yeah, I just studied that as hard as I could. Like every single day I was coming home from work and just going like, sorry, honey, I've got like one hour of aptitude training and then and then I'm like, I'll do whatever. And then at the same time, I was like, I've got to get in like peak physical condition. So I was going and getting personal training like three times a week and I just, yeah, just put myself in this zone where I was like, I'm getting it 100%. Like in my head, I was like, you are 100% getting this job. Yeah, man. And just focused so hard. First time. I pretty much got there and then they pulled the jobs at the last second, which was devastating, like absolutely, absolutely <laughs> devastating. Applied the second time, didn't get it. Third time, got through. And that was about four years it took for that whole thing. And wow. yeah, e- even the interview process, like I, w- I was like phoning people up. I was getting on Facebook and finding people in the company and saying, hey, do you remember the interview? I'm applying, I'm through to this stage. And they were like, they didn't had no idea. Majority of them didn't reply, but one guy replied from Sydney, and I said to him, "Mate, is there any chance I can come to the fire station?" He's like, "Yes, sweet." So I flew from the Gold Coast to Sydney, 
to go and have a look at the fire station, then flew back that day. Because I just knew, I was like, it's the it's the half percent, one percenters that are going to get me across the line. I was just about to say that. Yeah. It's those people that do what other people don't or and don't want to do. And every time I was, every time somebody said, you should do something like this, not many people are going to do it. Yeah. I would just go, oh, I don't want to. And then I was like, no, who else is doing it? No one. Okay, I'm going to be the one person that's going to do it. And so then in the interview, I brought up all these things. I'm like, you know, I've been training for the aptitude. I've been doing this. I've been getting coaching for this interview, been doing all this stuff. And I think they were just like, wow, this guy, he really wants this. Like he wants this more than anyone. That's a bloody good lesson for some young kids out there right now. Eh? Yeah. <laughs> wow. It's, these are the traits of a successful human. Yeah. Well, actually, maybe let's rephrase that. These are, these are traits of a person who realises their dreams. Yeah. And I just knew that I just had to get out of carpentry at that point. Like I just, it was just killing me. And it was hard too because like, the, so the guy that I worked for, he was a really good mate of mine and he absolutely loved carpentry. And it was basically, I was living his dream. So he just started his, his building company and he was like, mate, like we're here, you know, you may as well commit 100%, like get on board, let's start doing this. He had me studying all the time and I was, and in my head I was like, yeah, he's right. I'm here. This is what I'm doing. Let's do it. And then after two or three years of doing that, I was just like, I just can't do this anymore. Like I was just worn out and, you know, some people might say, oh, well, you should have tried harder or something like that. But (laughs) (laughs) You tried it and then you realise it wasn't for you. Yeah. Now I think, and I've done this and I I probably still do it to a degree, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll wallow in something that they don't like because it's safe. Yeah. You know? And uh, they don't want to get out of their comfort zone. Mm. But you, 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 that's what you did. You got out of your comfort zone. Yeah, I didn't It's a scary it, place to be. Yeah, 100%. Because you probably would have walked away from like maybe stable income, security. Yeah, for sure. And just took a chance. Yeah. It was, yeah. It was, it was hard too. Like when you fail, it's absolutely devastating. Like that's like, you know, you've put every single thing you've got into it and then you fail and you're like, damn it. But the weak give up. Yeah, (laughs) I I almost did. So when I did the interviews, I walked away from it. I was so nervous the night beforehand. I went to do the interviews, and I was like, I I think I slept like two hours. I'd had like I'd had some dessert the night before, and I was blaming the dessert. I was like, the bloody sugar's keeping me awake, (laughs) throwing pillows around the room. Um, Luckily, the anxiety. Yeah, I think it was just everything. I get it. I get it. And the sugar. Not before Christmas, eh? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And so it was just it was just pure luck that we were going on our honeymoon the day that I did the interview. So I did the interview, came back to the hotel room, and I was like, I absolutely blew it. Oh, let's go on our honeymoon. And then I just went and enjoyed myself. No, but like it was to like somewhere beautiful. So I like knew that I just had to get that out of my head. Yeah. We went to the Cook Islands and just had the most epic like 10 days, I think we were there, and then came back and I'd kind of pretty much forgotten about it. And then um one of my mates was applying and he phoned me up. He's like, did you, get an in- did you get a call? And I was like, no. He goes, yeah, I think they've phoned everybody to say, like, you guys aren't getting through. <gasps> and he goes, have you got a call? you probably get one. If you, if you don't get one in the next day or two, like, you've gotten in. So I'm just, like, freaking out. Like, just any time my phone did anything, I was like, oh, this is it. <laughs> and then they didn't call. And then a week later they phoned up and they're like, you're in. And I was just like, wow. How many people got in for that um- I think for three. the there was three three for Sydney, 
Wow. Um, in our that's recruit crazy. course, I think there was like 24. So it's Australia-wide. Wow. Dude. Yeah. That's, mate, that's, a, that's a sick achievement. It's yeah. good to know that, like, they're, they're picking the cream of the crop for those, for those jobs, you know, like, because it's, you know, high-level responsibility, especially when shit goes bad, right? Yeah, but I don't know. I'm kind of in two minds of it. Like, the, the whole – well, the whole aptitude thing is, like – you're a firefighter at the end of the day. Like, water goes on the hot stuff. Like, <laughs> so, like, giving you some, or like... Or so, yeah, Some, like, <laughs> complex, like, check pick. out this pattern and tell us which one's wrong. Like, you're not doing that, like, when you're, when you're in a fire, are you? <laughs> or is it just because there's a huge demand and there's a lot of interest in it, so... Yeah. They, they, they have to have these things in Easiest place. Easiest way to, to cull. To cull. Yeah. Speaking of fire... And bushfires and stuff like that. Can I do a little shout out? Sure. I just bought a book last week by Matthew Abbott. Oh, yeah, I about saw that. The bushfires in 2019, 2020. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. Like, amazing. Dead set. <laughs> Some of the most amazing images I've ever seen. Really? Yeah, yeah I saw that on social media on and I was thinking of grabbing it too because I think the proceeds might go to something to do with the bushfires, maybe. Um, I, I think so. Or a portion of it. Yeah. Wise. But it's just like touching. Yeah, and I can imagine. Like you'll look back on that in twenty years and go, "Wow, it's so insane that that was last year at the start of everything else going on." And it's just Dude, like it that feels, was the worst thing like to happen. And then, and then, yeah, it feels like it was like ten years ago. But like but to be honest, that that made me feel worse about life than than COVID. Like when mm. when I heard about all the koalas in like you oh, know and all and all the animals dying and people losing their livelihoods, I actually cried. Oh, yeah, like I was at home and 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 um, Sarah had to. Like she comf- had to comfort me. I was like mm. touched. Yeah, we had like my wife was pregnant at the time, so oh, yeah. and we were just like, "What are we bringing this child into this crazy world?" Like we yeah. had we had almost three months where we didn't see the blue in the sky. It was yeah. just smoke every day. That's right. We see, had Lennox during then. Yeah. Oh, did you? Yeah, yeah. He was a baby. Yeah. Mm. See, I missed it. I wasn't here for it. I was You're in, in I was Bali, living, in living Bali. the dream. Oh, bagus. I just couldn't, <laughs> but I couldn't fathom it. I was hearing the stories. And I was like, no. Nah. Like, yeah. so I don't think I'll ever truly understand how gnarly it was. Yeah, it was like orange for like weeks. Yeah. I can't believe that. He, yeah. Like you look outside now and you see the blue sky. I didn't see that for three months. I'm pretty sure it was New Year's Three Eve. months? Yeah. Lance, nah. do you remember? Yeah, it was pretty much like there was maybe a day or two here or there where it would clear, but it was pretty much every single day. It was New Year's Eve and we had that like, it was like a nice day and then all of a sudden like there was fight, n- like fires like niggling around and um, we had that subtly in the mm. Arvo and it was like the subtly of all subtly. And it, it came like, from it like, like down Batemans and all that, all the smoke blew up. And that's just what got everything. And that, after that, it was, it was like fire for weeks, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. It was the perfect storm, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Yep. We had like a really dry year prior we had to a that. few of them yeah. which just like there was a lot of leaf litter. Yeah. There still even is now. Like you go through a lot of the forests that aren't touched, and you're like, "Well, this it could easily happen again." Mm. Like this year, crazy. Yeah. So, because I, I grew up on the south coast, and um, I was seeing images, and I was hearing about like old school friends losing their houses, and I'm yeah. like, "What? Are you serious? Like down down mm. on the south coast? Like get out of it? I, I just couldn't get my yeah, head around fathom it. it. Yeah. yeah, and it just sort of reminded me of like how precarious our existence in this world is. Yeah, for sure. As even now. Yeah, like, because then definitely. you know, tack on to that a pandemic. Mm. Do you think? Well, that's that, we rolled straight out of that into the pandemic. I feel like Australia's had it the like hard a, say, like it was, the fires to the pandemic, and now it's, we're still in the pandemic, yeah. and everyone else is like, "What's going on? Like, are you still yeah. pandemicing?" And we're like, "Pandemic, yeah." yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
said that so enthusiastically. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're still masking yeah, yeah. up. Aren't you guys? <laughs> do, okay, here's a serious question. Like, do you feel like we're a little bit behind the rest of the world in terms of oh, do how, we, how do we're we need to go down this road? Well, you know, like you know, well, I have avoided it for the last year talking about it on here. I have. I really have because I'm like, oh, I don't want to piss people off and shit and I don't want to be all polarising but I really believe that it's it's historic and I, I, I'm interested to hear people's <sighs> opinions and exp- lived experiences with it. It's like regardless of what your opinion is, you're allowed to talk about your lived experience with what's going on. 100%. Right. So how would you rate your lived experience over the last year? Um, I would say that... It hasn't been that bad here for me. Like, I mean, it's not amazing and it's not ideal, but I'm very lucky to live in Sutherlandshire, which is a, a beautiful area with, like, you know, we've got the bush, we've got the Royal National Park right here, so you want to go for bushwalks, it's still within our zone. I've got the beach literally out the front of my house. So I've been very lucky. But if I was in a unit in the CBD, I think it would be totally different. The people I would out be west devastated. In yeah, Western Sydney, like those places have got heavy yeah. lockdown and like, yeah, they're not allowed to do anything yeah. and they yeah. might not have a park near their house that they can go to or, you know what I mean? So like that, yeah. that would be v- extremely hard. Yeah. yeah I, I feel very blessed to be where we are and... Good man. I've been able to... To take a positive out of that though, Hmm. it really made me appreciate what I did before all this started. Like I missed going down the coast so much like and and now when I do go down the coast, I'm going to be like... Oh, like, oh, I totally. love you. I miss you. Thank you. Like, oh, totally. I was driving into Cronulla today, going, "Oh, this is a bit of a, <laughs> a bit of a trip." I'm going, on, going on a big adventure. You know, I'm on the freeway. Yeah, I mean, and for those that are listening overseas, like the Sutherland Shire, Cronulla is the southern suburbs um, of Sydney, Australia. So, just to clarify, one's called that. God's Country. Don't know about that now. It's just south of the bridge, hey, Pete. (laughs) (laughs) Just south of the bridge? (laughs) Yeah, like I guess for me too, like we talk about the bushfires and then, you know, then the pandemic and I just think, um, you know, the state of people's mental health must be, you know, completely vulnerable at the moment. Your experience, yep, pretty good. And you you actually acknowledge maybe the level of – privilege that yeah, you have for the, sure the privilege of being able to sit on your balcony sure. right now I'm, I'm, I'm looking at your window i'm looking at beautiful shelly park that's shelly yep, correct you know and, and the beach and you can just walk across there and, and yeah but yeah like you said there's a lot of people who have just been suffering hard and i just want to advocate for as much kindness as possible you know? yeah i think people are putting on brave faces but people are struggling and yeah you know like we're getting back on track i mean yeah we have had our ups and downs with it too like we've got a new well not newborn now he's one and a half years mm-hmm. old and, and we've got, like, my mum is on the Gold Coast in Queensland and they've had the hard border for a while against New South Wales and then my wife's family are all in Margaret River. So, Have they seen the baby? Yeah, li- luckily. So the first time we went to go over, the border's shut and we're like, damn it, missed it. And then the second time they opened and I just said, you need to leave right now because it could be shut again anytime. So she went over and then I went over for a week or two. Yeah, or 10 days or something. But that's the only time in the one and a half years he's been alive. And my mum's only seen him once. So, and she's kind of just up the road on the Gold Coast. <laughs> Goddamn federal country. Like, we're one big continent. Why can't we yeah. just cross the borders? So, and, that, and that's tough too. Like, living, like, bringing Katie here, my wife here. And, like, she's left all her family and friends for me, for my career. 
and then now we're kind of locked inside and like yeah it's it's it can be hard like yeah totally man yeah but again like we're so lucky we can just go like well let's go outside and go for a walk on the beach and kind of are you a glass half full kind of guy generally um, yeah, you are. Yep. Or should I say I beer? Guess, yeah. I should guess. I say beer? Half full? <laughs> Granola beer? He's a realist, though. Is he? Like, he won't give you a false report. How's the surf, Lance? <laughs> yeah, not that good. You mean like, yeah, it was pumping out. Then he shoots the cover shot while you were like two foot wonder. Oh, probably. Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> I think it probably not. was, eh? Like, <laughs> no, that was that a sneaky session. That, right? that was a very sneaky session, yeah, that one. Like he told me. Yeah. Mm. It was. They're the ones that I love down there, the, mm. the quiet ones. Well, do you want to – let's um, – give us the backstory of the cover because I'm just sitting here looking at it. I actually hadn't seen the hard, co- the ha- the hard copy yet. So give me the backstory about how, how you got that. How dare you? How dare minute. you? Well, Get I'm, your hands on it right one. now. I'm, I'm, <laughs> hey, I looked at it online. <laughs> yeah, he scrolled which, past which, it. <laughs> well, it is, which is actually a question I want to ask you about, you know, what sort of feelings do you get looking at a paper image as opposed to a, a digital image? But let's go back to – the that actual shot. Tell us about the moment. How'd you get in the moment? Uh, what, um, what what was what was occurring? You know, moments prior and, and and after that. Well, I shot that one off the ski, so that was kind of. Okay. I didn't actually think it was going to be anything because it was a little bit later in the morning, and usually, you know, the light gets a bit shit when it's you know when it's around eleven o'clock, and I think it kind of played into my favour in that one because it's a silhouette shot. So. Mm. Um. I don't know. I've been down there a lot of times, like chasing that wave. I'm not going to say where it is, but yeah, chasing that wave, and it's it's so amazing, and it's so much. Um, what's the word? Limits get pushed out there by a lot of people that More don't than that don't is. have stickers on their boards. Yeah, there's also a lot of people out there that shouldn't be out there, but that's another story. Me, <laughs> no. <laughs> But yeah, so I don't know. I, I've, I've I've been trying to swim out there more, which is an absolute pain in the ass. Oh, so because of the current. Oh yeah, it's like every time a wave comes, it's like someone pulls the plug on the bath, and you're just just fighting for your life. Have you been caught inside? <laughs> Heaps of times. Yeah, You've right. seen. Haven't you seen me get caught inside? Yeah, maybe. It's, it's horrible. I got caught. You're always once swimming, thinking that you're going to get out, and then it. You don't. Just after the first one, you just got to give up. Steve, and then, you go, and then you're Ball doing the, the full merry-go-round. But does, is it one of those waves where it'll recycle you in the impact zone? No, it just wash. It washes you. It'll wash you out. But where it washes you is is pretty. Unless you get picked up by a ski, it, it's a long swim back. Yeah. Because like you're, and, you're, and no one will know that you've been washed either. Like it's that far away. Everyone's oh, really? like, yeah. Especially when you don't have a board or anything, you're yeah. just a head above the whitewash. Yeah. <laughs> What's good about that place is is a lot of the skis that are in the channel are when a surfer's on the wave, hmm. they're looking to see if they make it. But because land, like they honestly, might not rescue them, but they're looking to see if they make it. There's no other photographer. <laughs> I'm not trying to blow smoke up, yeah. Oh, no. There's no other photographer that has got where you've got out there. Hey, no, I reckon there is for oh, sure. Not in my time. In terms of swimming and getting the the water the, the water near. shot. From- Nowhere near. There's a shot by Jordan Godley that shows the absolute commitment. Like I, I do like I do like that shot. It shows you the hundred percent, and it's shot on a on a film camera, mm. but. You see how critical Lance's position is in in the in the lineup, and there's not a lot of people that I definitely wouldn't swim where he swims. Yeah, how, so. how big was that day? You think this day or the day that I have no, I was talking about uh, the day of the cover shot? Um, I don't know. Like maybe eight, maybe a couple of random ten footers. Okay, it's. 
it's kind of a bit of a weird wave, like yeah, lulls between sets and stuff like that. Yeah, that's it's yeah, it it does add a bit on those smaller sneaky sessions, like yeah, you're kind of more waiting around, and then you just get yeah, it it can be like quite a few six to eight footers, which are which are which are good. And then it'll throw you like a one of those things that just goes inside out, top to bottom. Is that wave of the session? Um, no, probably. I reckon the other wave that he got in. I was um, going to mention that one. White Horse magazine, the latest White Horse. There's a um, a picture a sequence that O'Neill got off me and run as an ad oh, uh, of Lockie as well, and he's like. Um, yeah, it's a very committed, like his nose is almost buried on the bottom turn. It is and buried. just scoops under this thing that is so hollow. I reckon that's my favourite ever shot of, really? that, of, of that wave. Really? That's a big call, yeah. Pete. I, I, when, when Lockie showed me... The, the white horse one. Yeah, when yeah. Lockie showed me that advertisement, I was like, what? Like, <laughs> what? Well, I was right. just so stoked that they that they grabbed that for for Lockie just as much as for me. Like I was I was frothing because like like I said before, like Lockie doesn't really get the recognition that I feel like he should. He's he's an exceptional human and an exceptional surfer. Like even I went down a couple of days ago, and um, it it was crap out there. But Lockie was out there, and a couple of little like six footers come through, and. I was just watching him surf and I was like, man, what you do with a 10-foot board is just insane. Like, it's absolutely insane. He was turning. He was turning so last minute, like, even catching the bodyboarders off, like, offhand. And they're, they're taking off late. Yeah, yeah. He's, lit, he's almost taking off under the lip, but, like, like spinning around as the lip's about to pitch and just, like, catching it so, so last like, minute. taking off under the lip. Pretty much, like, yeah. See, I asked him that question too because, like, my initial reaction to that would be on a 10-foot board, you know, taking off on a slab under the lip, that you're going to nosedive every time. I don't even know how. Well, how he does, he does do nosedive, does, does, does he go sideways and, like, just fully knife it sideways? I don't know. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I, look, see, I'm still just in awe about how much he turns around so quickly. Like, yeah, like let, just, a, let like, alone just the – then there's the takeoff. Just yeah, like, just, like – just a mal, he just pivots it. <laughs> so yeah, right. just like bang, he's on it. Like two yeah. it's longer than like mal's. It's one second later. Yeah, right. he's like, my log's nine six. His boards are longer than my logs. It's crazy, eh? Hey? But he's, he does nosedive every time. Like I've got photos from another session at another place, and through the sequence, I see that like there's like three photos where the nose is buried under the water. Yeah. He and was I'm so, like, I don't understand. He was so frothing after that photo. Like, that's all he could say to me. He's like, you know, I felt, it felt so technical, you know. Like, yeah. I swear I was, like, burying the nose in it. Like, I really want to see it. And then I spoke to Rob, and Rob was like, yeah, we'll grab it off you. We want to run it as a as an ad in the next one as, like, a, a present to Lockie because, like, he's been with us for so long. And I was like, oh, yeah. And Lockie kept, like, messaging me going, hey, man, can can you send us those shots? And I was like... Oh yeah, yeah. I'll send them through, but I didn't want to send them till like it had come in print and he'd actually seen it because I was just like, he's going to be so frothing on this, okay, dude. I even sent I sent them to him the other day and I was like, sorry, man. I, I wanted to hold out, like I wanted it to be a big surprise for you. I don't know if he knew beforehand, but like, yeah, I wanted him to see it in print first. Do you feel like now you have a unique connection with Lockie? Uh, yeah, I think I think Lockie has a unique connection with everyone. To I was be honest, just about like to say that, like whenever you're in his presence, yeah. you immediately feel that. Hey, Dude, and yeah. he's 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 very yeah. He pays attention to what you're saying. And well, what about with other surfers you shoot and you get that sick shot? You know, um, do do you feel even if you don't know the surfer that well, do you just establish like you know like a, a long term connection with them? 
Yeah, I think so. Well, yes and no. I mean, we're all just people at the end of the day. Some people you connect with, some people you don't. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But most of the time, yeah, guys are pretty frothing. So, yeah. yeah. You've got good connections with plenty of surfers, hey? Yeah. Yeah. Andrew Mooney? Yeah. Mooney's a legend. Yeah. 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 He he was down there that day, actually. He was um, trying to get tips off Lockie because he'd never (laughs) surfed the wave before. And I was thinking, like, Mooney's just an animal anyway. Like, he's he's well accomplished. And he was hitting him up, going, just don't know. <laughs> nice. Oh, man. Bury the nose, Lockie. <laughs> <laughs> just bury the nose. <laughs> yeah, no, I just really feel like um I just think what you and Pete do aside from, you know, creating bringing some beautiful images and stoking people out and I just also think like when you're documenting regularly, you're creating a legacy. F- you're creating a legacy. For sure. I think Pete does that really well. Why? Just because he's he documents a lot of stuff and he and his, aside from surfing, so, yeah, outside of surfing and his yeah. his style of it is yeah, it's pretty amazing. Like I, I just think that you ca- you capture moments really well. Thanks, mm. Like it's not just a photo. It's like you can see there's a moment happening there. Like Kirk and all that painting the car the other day. Like <laughs> oh, you know what I mean? Umbrella, like, with the umbrella. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you, you're really good at capturing Thanks. the everyday, even mundane moments. You talk about the one with with Kirk painting the car and he's holding an umbrella. Yeah, yeah. that's so unique. That yeah. shot. And like that even cool just day. even just people Fuck running yeah. down the beach and stuff, I've noticed you you're getting very into like using shadows and stuff like that to frame people. Thanks and for noticing that, Jeez. yeah, right, man. Hmm. Yeah, it's funny because I used to like I think when the iPhone or when the smartphone really you know hit the world, and you know because I remember when the when I had a digital camera before there were smartphones, and I remember going, oh well, photography's ruined now because it's all digital <laughs> and it's all on this card. Look, I've got I've got 150 like, photos on this card. Bam, bam, <laughs> here comes social media. <laughs> yeah, and that was before. And then like then the smartphone came out, and it's like, oh wow, I just I've got like I've got 10,000 photos in my phone, and they're all rubbish. And and I was like, and I'm gonna just post them on this and that and i thought oh well photography's dead mm. but it, i feel like it's not dead at all i feel like it's it's just breeding better I, photography yeah it's I never going to be dead i don't think you don't think but no. i think it's definitely okay. been held back by social media and stuff like that held so. back yeah because like because well it's it's just so not held back just oversaturated yeah like very oversaturated yeah everyone's got like a 10 or 12 i don't even know what the iphones are or whatever phone Megapixel I'm camera like having that pocket eight. and like six. You know, oh, you some, win. <laughs> had an some, eleven. I sent some, it back. Some people, you know, shoot surfing images on iPhones now in in like a phone case. So like it's it's and they get yeah. good shots. Yeah, they do. They actually well, yeah. yeah it, it it everyone's idea of a good shot is different. So uh-huh. you can't like the people I'm talking about do get good shots, but then other people might just think, yeah. oh, it's been done before. You know, blah blah blah. blah. But yeah. can, can I ask you a question, Lance? You're a photographer. Do you ever take photos on your phone? If, if it's not if it's not your kids and, and your wife, I was going to say just a phoenix. <laughs> yeah. Apart from that, anything? Uh, no. I would say if I go to a concert or something like that, but we haven't done that in about two years now. Yeah. So why's that? <laughs> yeah, me neither. Hey, like yeah. I, I just I, if I take a photo of my phone, I'm like, ah, I'll get my camera. No, I've just got heaps of screenshots actually. Yeah. Just screenshotting things. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I mean... Inspirational like, quotes. Here's the, <laughs> yeah, inspirational memes, memes for days. But it's like, is it the equipment or is it the actual person that takes a good shot? So, 
Like I've got a friend, he, he takes amazing iPhone shots mm-hmm. and they're very atmospheric and I'll be with him sometimes, we're walking down the street, he's like, oh, wait, wait, just stand there for a second. And then he caught this awesome image of a, of a cloud moving behind the building while I was walking past with the silhouette. I'm like, and it looks rad. Yeah. It's like, and it was like, well, it was just because he had the iPhone. Well, that's the eye. Right. Like mm. I remember the, um, seeing the Heath Ledger documentary and they're saying that his eye was like that. Like he'd have his camera out. He was really into photography. He had a Hasselblad. Yeah, and he'd yeah. have his Did camera he? out and he'd be taking – they'd think like I think it was his dad or someone was saying, oh, you know, you'd be looking at him you'd be thinking he's taking a photo of the lake here and he's not. He's taking a photo of a pond or a puddle next to him and it's yeah. a reflection of a bird flying. Yeah. And like it's like it's just that different – Different eye, I guess. What an unfortunate yeah. thing it was losing that guy. Yeah, for he was sure. so talented, hey. Yeah, man, it's heavy. R.I.P. Heathy. Mm. I mean, that's a, that's another conversation, I guess. But I mean, again, like I talk about this a lot. Like, um, you can't underestimate the danger of mental isolation, mm. and that's my opinion because you know when you're holding things in and you're not talking about things and you're becoming reclusive and. I know I can do it sometimes if I'm not running well. I, I won't answer the phone sometimes. And, yeah, you can get into a really dark, dark hole mentally. Sure. Maybe that's what happened to him. What do you think? I think I, I, I know this he, is what I heard. He he got too into the um, character of um, the Joker. Yeah, I heard that too. And, it, like, I think it, like, I don't think but, it was But there had, there had to be something else there that, you know what I mean, you can't just. I, I heard a lot of people didn't want to um, back up Jack Nicholson's character and he was like, I'll do it. And then he got so deep into it. Mm. That he kind of like lost his mind a little bit. But that's I, what no, I mean. I might be wrong. But they had no, to. No, no, no I, I did hear that too. But I think there also has to be already something there mm. to maybe that was the trigger of something. Like Joaquin Phoenix is yeah. one. You watch that, you're like, <laughs> well, that must be damaging playing yeah. that character. Well, oh, like on, on the whole like artist and mental health thing, like I, I lived with a photographer called um, Martin Tullemans. He was like one of the original surf photogs. And he had bipolar and like he would, yeah, I think that kind of helped him with his art but like it's seeing things from a different angle and like, yeah. yeah. But unfortunately, unfortunately he battled with that and it it kind of ruined him in the end. Yeah. But yeah, Marty was a a real good dude. Yeah, it's funny you mention that. My last guest, Grant Trebleco. Uh, started this. I listened thing, to that one. It's really good. Cool. Yeah, yeah. No. Nah, and he's an amazing guy who had who speaks really openly about his bipolar. Mm. Started up an initiative called One Wave Is All It Takes um, and Fluoro Friday at Bondi Beach, where they have a group circle and they talk about their mental health. But he he just decided to turn his mental illness into what was was considered a liability. Turns it into an asset and superpower. Superpower, and you know, and you know that comedian and and now he's an independent journalist, Russell Brand. Yeah, you know, like, no, no, who? <laughs> <laughs> Never Sorry, heard of him. Just being off. I'm being too obvious. <laughs> Does he do movies? <laughs> he did. Forgetting Sarah Marshall. You ever see that? <laughs> Fuck, I love that movie. So good. Anyway, um, I remember I read his book and he talked about how he got diagnosed with you know bipolar, to and. Uh, yeah, just struggled with, you know, he was self-medicating and then just was told by a doctor, oh, you got bipolar, you're going to have this for the rest of your life. And he's like, well, okay, that's limiting me. And just made a decision to self-manage through a shitload of meditation, clean living. And, um, I mean, you look at him now, he seems like he's thriving. Yeah, he and does. he's pretty fucking wise, that guy. Yeah. Have you read his book? Like, so wise. How do you I, go from becoming a junkie to, like, like straight up, like, almost Gandhi? <laughs> But do you ever do you ever watch his? That's shit? a book title right there. <laughs> <laughs> that's, 
Maybe when you write your memoirs. Did you you ever watch his stuff on YouTube? And he's he reports on the news and and discusses the political climate. Like I think he's like like an awesome independent journalist. For sure, very articulate. (gasps) Comes out with the biggest words. Yeah, like (laughs) stuff you've never heard Um, before. What's that word? (laughs) Yeah, and I don't think he's owned by any like corporate media companies. So, like, I like what he has to say. No, I don't feel I don't feel like he is, but you never know you these never days, know. do you? You never know. Who everyone, are you? Everyone owns, no I'm one owns me. <laughs> <laughs> Not probably, yet. Not no, yet. no, I'm, I'm owned. I'm owned. <laughs> <laughs> I won't say by who. <laughs> yeah, man. I, I, think, I think Van Gogh might have had bipolar as well. Well, yeah, but then he, or like, he drank... Or something... He drank some absinthe. A lot of absinthe. Cut his that, ear off. That could have set it off. Have you ever had absinthe? I have Dude, it's gnarly. A couple of times actually oh, it's gay. Have you had it? Yeah, yeah they used to light on fire at the bar for you And then you'd shot yeah. it that, Is that the one, the green thing? It's disgusting But when you're drinking it You're usually drinking it to get a job done And it gets the job done, <laughs> gets the job done. <laughs> <laughs> Is it legal in Australia? Yeah, 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 it's, yeah. it's like yeah, a I, I, It's got like a fairy on the, on the logo I worked uh, at a bottle yeah. And I, um, I had a bottle It was $100 And it was made by Marilyn Manson no way. Yeah, Marilyn Manson makes his own absinthe because that's all he drinks. Wow, man. Yeah. Wild character. That guy is wild. <laughs> I actually just seen a photo of him recently. It look, mm. He looked like a... He looks horrible at the moment. Like a, like a 90-year-old I mean, old woman. I mean, he's never looked good, but... <laughs> Dude, I remember I seen him at the big day out, Shaw Major. I was there for 1999. Yeah. I was there too. <laughs> at this, when it was the first one at Homebush, Sydney Olympic Park. Yeah, and I was got the Gold Coast one for me. That's right, the same mm. tour. And I just remember like watching him come out. I was like, oh, it's like I'm watching pure evil. Like it was so yeah. evil. So he he got wheeled out on the Gold Coast one on like a, and he was in a straight jacket. And one of my mates had to wheel him out, and he was like spitting on him, calling him like all these names and stuff. <laughs> yeah, he was, my mate was like, yeah, he's, he's he's he is as loose as you think he is. <laughs> yeah, remember that that um, it might have been a conspiracy. Um, when he had that concert and he, and he like the released puppies. The, the, puppies the puppies into the crowd and said, I'm not playing music until you kill them all. I, I feel what? like that was a made-up media. Th- I don't know. Like, I heard it too. But now that I look back, I think, like, that's kind of, like, most normal people would think that's the worst publicity you could ever get. But we're still talking about it now. So, so the listeners listening to this. Comment below if this is true or not. (laughs) Dude, I just can see the animal rights activists just going ballistic. But yeah, like so, I don't, I don't reckon it actually happened. I reckon it was just all like a media thing. They put it out there through the right channels. It filters out. Everybody starts talking about him. Bang, he goes on tour that year. All of a sudden, he's selling tickets. Like, all the metalheads go, where are the yeah. puppies? <laughs> You'd be surprised what publicity, like things they do for publicity. Like Any publicity is good you publicity. Know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, and that's that's the climate of our, our, our world at the moment, you know? Like, again, I'm, oh, I'm trying not to talk about this shit, but <laughs> the mainstream media, those fuckers work on if it bleeds, it leads. For sure. You know, like, and any publicity is good publicity and it's ratings and it's it's just perpetuating so much... Bad shit It's not and so it much all... fact checking anymore It's like whatever gets a click We'll run it Yeah no fact but check But why You know But, but, but what, like I think most of these journalists Always They would have set out With the best intentions originally For sure but, So what What changes in them 
You guys are in the money, me- in money, the- money, money, money. You're money. in the media sphere. Yeah, it's money, <laughs> and 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 deadlines and pressure and and yeah. even, and they're it's probably- like I think Jed was saying on your one. You know, all of a sudden this guy's got a mortgage and everything, and and then his editor's saying, "If you write that, see you later." Exactly. And he's like, mm, "Okay, then I'll just yeah. write it." Like, yeah. who cares anyway? Like, they don't realize what they're doing, but it's all tied into politics and everything as well, which sucks because I, you know. Murdoch and all that kind of jazz. I don't really want to go too deep. On no, this. no, no. I, it's funny. It's funny. I don't. Want to, I don't like going too deep. You know why? Because I'm scared of um, leading with the chin or setting myself up for for ridicule. Because um, maybe I lack the education or the knowledge to speak with any authority about that stuff. For sure. But I also that feel like that's oppressive as well because we do live in a society now where we are so petrified of being ridiculed for having an opinion yeah and it's 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 so heavily right or left now too like you say anything the wrong way and it's like all of a sudden everyone jumps on your back from the other side and then you go you try to explain yourself and then everyone on the other side jumps on you well (laughs) in your in your experience as an australian have you ever seen australia in this state in the um, state of affairs of just, being a, a clear division between left and right? Probably not, I think. But then again, I all, also think, like, was I just blind to it growing up? Yeah. Like, if I could Point. turn myself 18 years old right now, am I thinking about it? Or are they just the, in the exact same situation? Do they Are they just completely blasé, have no idea, and then they start getting a bit older and going, hold on, wait, we're getting bent over here. Totally. So... <laughs> It's hard, to, mm. it's hard to really know because, yeah. like, I always think about, like, my parents and they would always, you know, have a rant here and there about, oh, politicians, this, that and the other. And I just, whatever, who cares? Yeah. I'll just draw a dick on my thing anyway, so it doesn't <laughs> matter. And then, and then I got to about 25 and I started actually ticking the right boxes or the boxes yeah. that I think are right. Yeah, true. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just think in our country. <laughs> I swear I've done that too, hey? <laughs> Well, you don't want to get the fine. You've got Just to go in there and do something. Off, eh? Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> On the ballot paper. <laughs> I mean, you know, let's face it, like, there's a lot of people who just do a donkey vote, you know, because yeah. they're just so Look. disillusioned. Like, people have just lost so much trust in, 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 our, in our political system. Yeah. Um, Definitely. And it's, and it's sad. The hard thing is it's never going to change either. It's you always going to be the one, the two main political parties, and they're always going to have power, one of them. And they're, it is funny, hey, Labor Liberal, like, yeah, how it's, come they're always winning? It's never going to change because they have the money. Like, I, I remember seeing um, somebody, I think it was Sean, actually, Sean um, from Surfing World, posted a thing saying, wouldn't it be interesting if everyday pollies went into work, they had to wear a jacket that had all their corporate sponsors on it. And he posted a photo of Tony Abbott, and he said, this guy wouldn't have any room on his jacket. And it was all just oil companies and stuff like oh. that. Mm. And it's like, how, how are they um, trying to give us, the common person, mm. the best deal when they've got to tick off like 500 different companies' agendas first. Exactly. And combine that with what are relatively short political terms in office. Definitely. So I feel like there's no long-term vision, really. They're not going to implement long-term strategy. They don't care about net zero by 2050 because they'll be retired on $300,000 a year then. Do you care about net zero by 2050? 100%. Why? I think it should be net zero by 2030. Yeah, I was just about to say, like, like 2050, 2050, like, am I going to even be there? Yeah. Like, who knows? <laughs> exactly. 
2030. How, how old are you, Pete? 32, but you never know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Although you charge so hard, you know. Yeah. No, actually, let's not talk about it like that. We're not talk about that. You're going to be here forever. <laughs> God. Oh, okay. So this happens on the podcast quite regularly. <laughs> this is what Lance just did. He got his microphone, he took it away from his mouth, and then he pointed to his crutch and went, and then mouth the words bathroom. i got to get my nut off. Bathroom. <laughs> yeah, dude. So we've got two options here. We can pause it. We're pausing or, right or, now. Or me and Pete can just keep talking because we oh, do yeah, have Pete talk. here. That's good. What do you reckon, Pete? And let's, we can time him. Back in a sec. I'm nervous now. The attention's on me. Yeah. No, you are. So, Pete, how has your life changed since last time, since you were on the podcast? <laughs> actually, it has changed a lot. Really? How? Yeah. I actually bit the bullet and... Well, this week or last week, I resigned from my job. Congratulations! Which has been one of the things that's been hurting me the most, and took a little leap of faith, and I'm sort of trusting in my judgment, and I'm changing jobs, working for a mate, uh, a good friend actually, who's given me the flexibility and freedom to chase my dream. Um, so hoping that works out. So that's changed. Um, uh, what else has changed? Not a lot else. Uh, um, Stop the clock. <laughs> He's back. Dude, that was so quick. Did you sh- even shake after that? <laughs> I just got started talking about myself and you're back already. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, congrats, Pete. And I, I think, I mean, that's why I'm really stoked to have you here today because, like, it sounds like you're making decisions to actually follow your heart a little bit more and maybe, you know, chase uh, the passion you have. You know. And it's through meeting people. Like yourself, like Lance, like Kirk, like Lockie, mm. that inspire me to 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 do things like that. Like the older I've gotten, the more sensitive I am to people that impact my life positively, and and then they give me advice, and I take that now. Like rather than going like, I'm comfortable, you know, I don't want your advice. People say to me like, maybe you should move on from that and and try something else. And now I'm like, you know what? I think it's time, you know, like what Lance was saying before, like he, was, he was, had, had a comfortable job, mm. but he didn't like it and he took that leap of faith and that's where I'm at now. So, yeah, Sick. yeah. Love that, bro. And it's scary. I mean, and you have a young family as well, so it's not like, it's not like this throwaway, throwaway decision or is it? I think I know it's not the end of the world if it doesn't work out. Like okay. we live in Australia and I live in Sydney. There's so much stuff out there. To, to, to think that, that that one job that I got now is... is Mine for the rest of my life is so stupid. Like, there's so many opportunities yeah. uh, if you're willing to take a chance, you know. And love that, man. Um, yeah, cool, man. Oh, I'm stoked for you too because I remember when I first uh, met you, like, was that two years ago now? I've been here. Yeah, you were saying, man, I wish I could get a job where it would just let me, like, at least be part time so I could shoot my stuff that I want to shoot in between. And now you're there. I was actually How thinking today about the first time I met you, eh? Such a shameful. Um, ah, meeting. <laughs> he, he, he heavily localized me. <laughs> we were at Shark Island, and I'd never Tell seen him. I'd never seen him before. And I was in the I was in the the channel shooting, and this guy swims up, and he's kind of sitting shoulder to shoulder with me. And I was like, "Oh, hey, mate! Like, best best part of the wave is sort of like down there a little bit. Like, no, it was t- you said to me, oh, what lens are you shooting yeah, with? That's right, yeah. And I was like, oh, I've got a thirty five millimeter. And he's like, I go, what are you shooting with? And he goes, oh, 50. <laughs> And he goes, yeah, you should probably sit behind me. 
And I was like, <laughs> for anybody that doesn't know photography, so a 35 millimeter, you've got to be a lot closer to your subject than a 50 millimeter. So he's, he's kind of gone further. like, oh yeah, you should sit for, you should sit back there then. Pete. And in my but head, this is because but he in my head, photos of himself. I didn't know who he was. And he, when he gets on Lance Morgan, I was like, oh damn. Sorry and about it, that. But in my head too, I was like. <laughs> Is he just trying to see if I know the difference between a 35mm and a 50mm here? That's all good. No, I actually, I accepted. I went back and I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't live here. I've got to pay my respects. So it wasn't even, if it wasn't you, it would have been someone else. And to be honest, I uh, totally kind of agree with that. Like if you, you can't just come from out of town and jump in the front. And like, you know, but what I mean? I've got another opinion that I've uh, something's changed in me, like, and it's been in the last couple of weeks in regards to localism. Yeah, like, um, I was speaking to someone the other day and they wanted to surf a wave around here, and he said to me, like, oh, like, is it okay if I come and surf this wave? And this, this is a young, a young kid, or I mean, he's, he's 18, Oscar Lang- Langburn from the central coast, and he wanted to surf one of the waves up here. And I was like, mate, to have a person like you surf one of our good waves, is like a gift. It's someone talented surfing a wave that is special. Of course we want to see – like it's, we should all want to see um, people surfing our waves and sharing because nothing's ours. No, not at and, all. And, and, and like it's the same in photography, like to have Lance shooting Shark Island, like a wave mm. that you know was the first like wave of consequence that I shot, to see his representation of that wave is cool, you know, yeah. like – Come out and shoot it. Like I know that, like photos bring crowds and this and that. But like, in an in an art perspective, I want to see what his interpretation of a heavy wave out there looks like. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, I agree, hundred percent. Especially when it's like a wave that's been heavily documented anyway. Yeah, I do get it when it's a bit bit of a spot that's off the radar. I do mm-hmm. appreciate there's that level of yeah, like, yeah. Let's try and protect this for a while. Yeah. Um, but sure. I guess like I'm, I was just thinking like given how popular surfing is, and, and by rightly so, it's an awesome thing to do. Like, do you think localism is getting better or worse from your perspective, you know, being in a lot of lineups? Uh, it's probably better now, I think. Not as but, full but, on, but is it? as long as people are still showing respect. Like, it, mm. I, I went to Tahiti for a couple of weeks and um, just went to, like, some of the outer islands and I was, I was reading on... Um, on a surf on a website where you can check surf spots and find out where they are and stuff. I won't name it so that it doesn't send people anywhere they're not meant to. <laughs> but websites still exist. I was going to say, is there, yeah. real, is, there, is there any real secrets these but days? Anyway, anyway um, so yeah, and and all all it was saying about this one island was don't go there. Like it's gnarly. You'll get like you'll get beat up or you'll get like kicked out. You'll you won't get any waves. And so I was like... You were like, where's my fish eye? No, no. Well, I, I, I was on the boog, so I was, I was bodyboarding then. And I, so I went and I found this reef they were talking about and it was absolutely pumping. And I went out there and I was shitting myself because there was like five or six big Tahitian boys out there. And all I did was I sat on the end of the bowl and I just got the ways they didn't want. And after half an hour, one of them came over, paddled over, started chatting to me. Where are you from? And I was scared saying that because they said any Australians aren't welcome here, any Australians and Americans aren't welcome here because there's ob- they've obviously someone's written it and they've had a bad experience. You said yeah. I'm born in Ireland, I live in the and Southern so, Islands. No, I said I'm from Australia, and they. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I said I'm from Australia, and, and I was like, he goes, mate, 
come up and get a few. And I was like, oh, I'm all good. I'm like, I'm happy to just, you know, I'm happy to get these waves. I'm stoked to be out here. It's, it's so beautiful, blah, blah, blah. Paddled off, came back out and he's like, no, nah, come up the front. And then from then on, they were calling me into every single set that came through Amazing, over dude. them. Like wow. a set would come and they were like, go, go, go. And I was, like, I was like, I've just, Wait, I've just had like barrel after barrel after barrel. <laughs> And they're still just like calling me into waves. And you, I was charm, like, you charmed them. Yeah, no, I just showed respect. I showed yeah. that I wasn't there just to take their waves, take photos of it, go and post it on the internet. Another tell good my story about by Lance it. Morgan. It is. There's been but two good ones this, this but it's podcast. It's only two. It's been, oh, the, the, the career thing and now this. He hasn't hit the applause yet. I've been waiting. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry, dude. I, I saved that for very, very special stories. <laughs> no, but you know, like, I think that's. It's wherever you go, there's respect. Like, is when you show respect, you'll get it back to you in spades. Hundred percent, dude. Yeah. Good message, and it, yeah. that's everywhere. Whether and it's I, the surf lineup or the shopping center. Yeah, for sure, exactly. Like, we're all in this together at the end of the day, even though everyone thinks they aren't, but we are. <laughs> yeah, dude. That's <laughs> right. It's such a nice. These are nice, nice messages, man. So oh, thank you. Thanks. Well, listen, man. It's been epic. Yeah, feels like you just. Know? And I, I chatting am, with long lost mates here. Dude, feels it's nice. Like, I know. Yeah, I'm, I'm so, so stoked. And you've got uh, that gift, Shan. You do. Oh, you definitely. Oh, yeah. I was saying. I was saying on the phone before that I'm like listening to your podcast, trying to get a get a feel for your interview style. And I was like, he just re- asks really good question and, and seems to make people feel really comfortable. Dude, and you do for sure. Thank you, man. And I'm uh, so happy to be on here, man. Thank you so much. It's a, it's a massive honor with like some oh, of the guests that you've had. I feel, yeah, so honored. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Right, right back at you, man. I'm so grateful. I say this a lot, but I, I work on, a, on an intuitive sense when I select my guests. Uh, I always have. I just work on that feeling. And, um, yeah, I, I got that good feeling f- with you, man. So it's meant to be, bro. And yeah, it was thanks. also meant to be to have, have uh, Peter Barmer on here, someone who I feel like has kind of just been a bit of a soul brother from another mother. Cheers, so thanks. thank you, sir. And, um, listen, it's been epic, and I am, you know, conscious – of the fact that you do have a, a wonderful 18-month-year-old baby who probably would like to be using the lounge. And oh, he's, <laughs> yeah, he's not. You'd know. If, if he was yeah. here, you'd, you'd know he was here. He'd be into <laughs> everything that we've got right now. <laughs> he'd be pressing that he's, afford he's, button. Yeah, cool. he's a little legend with a lot of energy. How, how has fatherhood changed you? Um, how has it changed me? I don't know. I think it's slowed me down. It's made me see things a little bit differently. It's definitely taught me patience. And I think every parent can attest to that. Like, you definitely learn to be patient with them. And self-noise cancellation in your own ears. Yeah, like. you learn to operate on, on less sleep, that's for sure. But, yeah, he's pretty good. He's, he's a little dude. I love him. Yeah, man. Mm. It's, cha- it's a game changer, bro. Yeah, for sure. Congratulations. I'm, I'm scared of having number two. Like, number two is not coming yet. That's, that <laughs> That's that wasn't like an announcement. But part like, of the plan? Number two is a plan for sure. Cool. Um, yeah, we'll see when it happens. But, yeah, yeah, that's scary going into number two, I reckon. Like, I'm sorry, I want to pressure a little bit on this, you know, as a, as a father myself who has pas- passions and interests. Is that dictating your photography or surf sessions and are you doing those things with elements of guilt now? I wouldn't say guilt, but I've definitely toned everything back in the last six or nine months, I'd say. Cause, more calculated? Um, just a lot more like coming from the perspective of my wife who like I've made her move to Sydney 
away from all her family, friends, support group, everything. And I kind of feel like it's a bit, it's a bit hard for me to go and enjoy myself all the time yeah. when she's at home looking after our son. So like, so yeah, I'm, I'm definitely timing things a lot more now. Like the maybe sessions are more maybe not sessions. Um, and I'm just trying to look for like the, the real standout swells and stuff like that, just for the minute. Yeah, I've yeah. got, you know, got hopefully yeah. another, I don't know, maybe 10 years yep. of swimming around in, in the impact zone. <laughs> you think your body can only handle that for 10 years? I don't know. I don't really see anybody else over no, he means in 10 40. years you have a ski. Dude, I mean, if you don't mind me asking, how old are you? Oh, I'm 37. Okay. So, yeah, getting on. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I used to think that too, that, you know, like, when I because I'm, I'm 44. Yeah. And um, I was like, ah, like I'm too old for this and I'm too old for that. But, I, I mean, Kelly Slater is a good example, but I'm actually feeling stronger in a lot of ways than ever. And also... I'm doing the things I love, like surfing and skateboarding, with much more thought and more calculated. And the ego has has stepped back a little bit. Yeah. And I and I'm enjoying it more than ever. Like I'm I, I surf and I've surfed for many years, but I'm a really passionate skateboarder as well. And I, I actually feel like at 44 that I'm actually improving. That's good and to I, know. I never thought that, but I also think that it's a byproduct for me of. I've done yoga for 20 years. I do a lot of deep breathing. I, I've tried to really eat well, don't drink alcohol. And I just feel like these are the gifts of that lifestyle that I now get to enjoy. Yep. So I just thought I'd share that. I don't want to sound like a, yeah. an egomaniac, but that's just what I'm finding. I've definitely in the last, I reckon, three years probably, yeah, felt it some of my best years maybe. For sure, And maybe not, not even throwing Phoenix in there, just like... I don't know. I, f- I feel like uh, rejuvenated or something like that. Well, my friend, something strange has happened inside me. Maybe it's a midlife crisis. Well, dude, one of my friends, one of my friends in Wollongong, Nathan Vickery, if you're listening to this, like he's an amazing surfer. Always has been, you know, underground sort of guy. Um, surfed his whole life, but I've noticed when he had his first kid, he surfed way less. But 100%, he just started surfing so much better. I, I feel like he improved out of sight Wow! once he had kids. And we're just like dad power. Dad power. It's dad power. You get this dad power. Yeah. Maybe. The only thing I definitely have noticed is my recovery is it, it takes a little bit longer. Yeah. And yeah. I feel like, yeah, I have to do more of the like stretching and all that kind of stuff now. Dude, I'm going to plug something. The Andrew Huberman, Huberman Lab podcast with, with our neuroscientist Andrew Huberman. Um, just, oh my God, just talks about the science of physiology and, and just strategies for health and wellness Not, and, and no woo-woo shit, like, but just talks about, look, this is the science. Like if you put a little bit of creatine in your water 20 minutes before you do vigorous physical activity, this is going to happen yep. and, and, and just, oh my God. And like also full tuition on how to save your knees before they've even, before you've had a knee injury, all these amazing preventative things and. Um, yeah, man, I've learnt so much from that podcast. So mm. the Huberman Lab. I'm a big fan of science-backed uh, research. And that. Yeah, massively. I just think that science has come a long way and there's, there's so much information out there. Like you can, you can Google almost anything and type, you know, research in front of it and, and you'll come up like with 10 different research articles 
Um, so this, they know just so much about the body and the mind. Well, the mind, they still kind yeah, of, they get in there. But you know what I mean? Like what, what they knew 20 years ago to now is just totally different. Yeah. And even going on the mind thing, like the mind over matter thing in in this Surfing World magazine, they're talking to, I don't know how to pronounce her name. <sighs> Do you know, uh, it's Mick Campbell's partner. I read that article yeah. about him and Mick Campbell and his wife and they're this really good yeah, team. And so, She's an amazing surfer and so as she, well. she done like her ACL or something like that, like destroyed it surfing. And um, she went to the doctor and they're like basically you can need knee reconstruction. She was like, fuck, this is not happening to me. Mm-hmm. And she went and um, I think Mick was working on the trawlers and she's just started like researching like ACLs or I don't know if it was exactly an ACL, something to do with her knee, leg area. She started researching it and she's like, no, I'm going to beat this thing. And she just started stretching and getting in that mind frame like, I'm going to beat this. Dude. And she was, they were living, they were living out of their troopy at the time. And so he's going to work and she's just sitting in the troopy, stretching herself, getting out, getting in the park at, at Yamba, stretching herself, getting in that mind frame, eating, she said, like, just eating, like, the cleanest food, like, just fresh fish, fresh veggies. And she got in this mind frame. Just remember, not everyone can do this. Like, some people you have to go, oh, yeah. there goes my alarm. Um, some people have to go and get surgery. But anyway, after yeah. a year of stretching and doing all this work herself... She went to the doctors thinking like, right, are they going to pencil me in for the surgery now? Yeah. Took an MRI and the doctor said, you're not going to believe this. It's completely healed. <sighs> and she's just like, I knew, like I just knew that it was going to be. And so she was thinking, I'm about to get surgery mm-hmm. and be not walking for another year. Yeah. And she's just put in all this hard work. And, and maybe even like the, the brain is just a crazy thing. And she just talked herself, I think, into this situation and then she gave her body everything that it needed. 100%. Yeah, I mean, food is medicine. I I do believe that. I mean, obviously, there's a place for surgery, but I think, yes, six shot. I feel like you can avoid it. And um, that was actually the catalyst for me to stop drinking alcohol because I had this chronic ankle injury that wouldn't heal and I had two surgeries and it was constantly inflamed. And went to all these different doctors and I'm like, and this, this injury lasted for like six years. And this one doctor goes you know what, like, do you drink alcohol? I was like, yeah, I do. He goes, like, maybe just try, like, reducing your alcohol. There's, like, it's really inflamed and it might help with the reduction of inflammation. And what do you know? Like, I was like, oh, I'll go a month off alcohol and see what I, And what do you know? It started started to go down. And then I just started eating, like, like um, making my body very, um, like, a lot of green veggies. What do you call it when you're... Alkalizing. Al- alkalize my body. And yeah, I just felt, and then my ankle, it just got better and better. Yeah. And also one last thing, sorry, I'm talking a bit. Dylan, I was speaking to Dylan Longbottom not too long ago at his factory and he had he had a knee injury and the doctor said he should get an ACL surgery and he did all this research and found out about some soccer player that rehabbed his way out of a, an ACL surgery. Dylan did the same thing. Same thing. So there you go. Yeah, it's like, yeah. Question the status quo, man. Yeah, for sure. And that comes back to what we were talking about, the science-backed research and stuff like that. Like there's there's all kinds of stuff out there that can, yeah, help you heal and do whatever, help you know yourself better. And And this is the thing, man. We have so much access to information. Like let's use it for good, not evil. Yeah. Now, listen, man, um, I ask all guests to come to the podcast with a cause they want to support or advocate for. 
Uh, I do, oh, fuck, I'm hopeless. I meant to warn you before the podcast, but if you don't have anything, um, I often ask guests to advocate for a charity or a social enterprise or a cause or even a philosophy that they that they believe in. I went up and um, so you got something. Yeah, got something. Okay, so yeah. Pete's passing it over. This is rad. I've been thinking about it for a couple of days. Yes, cause, man. Cause been listening to the podcast. So I was Lovely. Like, well, he's obviously going to hit me with this question. I am. I should have warned. Sorry, I didn't warn you, bro. So it's savethechildren.org.au. Okay, and they, okay. they work in the Pacific Islands and save and basically help children go to school or medical costs or anything like that. So where, where are they based? I think they're Australian, but the one I'm looking at is savethechildren.org.au and maybe okay. it's Pacific Islands. Uh, okay, so save the children. Cool, man. Because... I don't know. We, Why did that like, one speak to you? Um, well, so I had a brother that passed away when I was younger and he, we, my parents went through all that kind of stuff. Um, and we were in the Solomon Islands at the time and that was, you know, they had to fly to Sydney basically for his medication and then we had to go back there and it was it's super third world, like there's, you know, rats running around in the hospital. And then when I had my child, he had some complications when he was first born and just being a parent like it's so hard being in that situation and especially for them like they're in they're in mud huts you know what I mean like I felt helpless here in a hospital that had all the equipment all the knowledge and you're just like yeah like it would be so heartbreaking for them hell yeah Lance Mm. Respect, brother. Hmm. Thank you for sharing that. So if you scroll down uh, in this episode, uh, you'll find a link to savethechildren.org.au. Get on, check it out, see how you can support, uh, how you can be involved. I always advocate for being actually active in in these things. Uh, Donating money is also good. And uh, you can find this podcast on all the major platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Buzzsprout, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, Chartable.com. But the best place to look at is terriblehabitalks.com, has its own built-in media player, and there's also links to our sponsors. Um, And if you click on those sponsors, it'll take you directly to the website. And by supporting them, you are indirectly supporting me. So get on it. And last thing, got a gift for you, Lance. So did you end up getting your shoes, Pete? No. <laughs> I swear, they're apparently they've been sent, dude. But make it, make us false promises here. This has happened in my apartment before. But apparently, it's an Australian post issue. Oh yeah, the postage is so yeah. bad at the moment, and like weeks behind. I've sent prints out to people, then they're taking like two weeks to get from like Brisbane to the Gold Coast. Okay, well, okay, interesting. So our friends at Indosol. We'll be sending you a pair of flip-flops or slides made from repurposed motor vehicle tyres. So, thank you, Indosol. And um, I can assure you they'll come eventually. I saw them in a the shop the other day. They actually look so sick. Yeah, I, I remember seeing them in a magazine a long time yeah. ago and thinking that is an epic idea because yep. there's a lot of tyres in Indonesia. Oh, dude. So, like, they, they yeah, it's, yeah, it's such a good thing. Like, It's interesting. To talk- they're just burning them. Oh, burning them. Oh, then they just they store them. This is a, something I didn't think, realize happens. When they just store them, they get water in them from the rain, and then it becomes this huge breeding ground for mosquitoes. Yeah. And then they have problems with malaria. Yeah. I didn't think of that. So they're fucking evil on every level. And then they catch on fire. <laughs> then they Because you always see, you ever seen like when like places catch on fire, they have t- tire fires? They I burn know, for dude. days and days, and it's yeah. so toxic. 
Well, they're made from like oil-based yeah, products. Yeah, it's so good. So yeah, Stoked. man. So those Thank guys you. will be sending you a pair of that. And I, I know that you're passionate uh, environmental advocate. And um, so just I'm just really – I just love that you advocate for that stuff. In, and uh, I'm just – yeah, anyway. I'm rambling. I'm tired. Stoked. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm super stoked Dude, to come on here. It's been such a pleasure. And yeah. lastly, big shout out and thanks to Peter Barmer. Thanks for having me again. What do you Appreciate reckon? It. Thanks, Pete. Leave it there. Legend. Dude, you didn't even get a round of applause, man. So you better oh, say on. something profound. Give me one. Say something, prof- say <laughs> no, something profound. I'm, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> oh, that's the one for Jed Smith. Oh, that's another one. Here SSBST. We go. Oh, that's another one. There we go. Cheers, Shan. Thank you. Hey, so before we kick off the podcast, I just want to talk about getting your morning kick in Belmont Coffee. Belmont is owned by skaters, barbers, traders, and musicians. They came together with the idea of creating a co-pilot that's next to you on the late night drives, early mornings on the job site, or a midday pick-me-up. Ethically sourced beans in a sustainable can and ready to go when you are. Use the code THT to score a discount at belmont.com. That's belmont, B-E-L-L-M-O-T-T dot com.